Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's what we felt like reading to you, and I certainly desire you prayers for just a few minutes. Like I said, I've quoted this often. It's the scripture that tells us where we're supposed to be. But I want to look at it for just a few minutes. And, uh, let's start with looking at the fellow that's doing the talking. Paul, before he was saved, was known as Saul. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew every jot and tittle of the law. I guess you could say he probably knew this book better than me or you either one ever will, maybe both of us put together. He was well educated, he was respected, and he carried papers in his hand to arrest anybody that called on the name of Jesus. He had no reason whatsoever to have a desire for you and me to be saved. He had no, his purpose was to lock folks up that called on the name of Jesus. And you all know his story. You know how that on the road to Damascus he saw a great light, heard a voice and saw no man. And how he was blinded and went down to, to Simon's house and, and Ananias came and told him, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight. And immediately the scales fell off his eyes and he could see and he ate and got strength and went straight forth and preached that Jesus is the Christ. The Bible even called him an apostle out of due season. But this is where I want to get to. The first three words says, I beseech you. He wouldn't have begged a Christian before he got saved. He, he wouldn't have begged. And of men that we look at in the Bible that knew Scripture and, and great men in the Bible, we wouldn't think of Paul as being one that maybe would get down on his knees and beg people. But I can just see Paul as he wrote this. Big tears rolling down his face on his knees saying, I beseech thee by the mercies of God present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Folks, and just like I said, we can have the greatest preacher behind the stand that ever was 
But until we are willing to do what God wants us to do, until we are willing to put our lives where they're supposed to be, we'll never be what God wants us to be. Now, he said, I beseech thee. I beg you, in other words. Oh, that we would do what God would have. You know what this same man said? My prayer and heart's desire to God is for Israel that they might be saved. (coughs) And here he is, he's saying, I beseech thee, I beg you that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. I beg you that you would seek God's will for your life. I beg you that you would pray and try to get right where God could use you. I beg you that we could all get together and do what God would have us to do. This is the man, no doubt, he heard what happened on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 souls were saved. He heard about men coming daily and being saved and laying everything down at the apostles' feet and how their church grew and he had his own personal experience. He knew what could happen when you get to Jesus. How often we forget how good it felt when you got saved by the grace of God. The joy and the peace that came with it and we carried our trouble. We carry our burdens when we ought to try our best to get to Jesus. I beseech you Therefore, now listen to who he's talking to. Brethren. He's not writing to the lost and undone world. He wanted his brethren to get to God. He wanted his brethren to present themselves. To say, here I am, and I know I'm nothing, but God, would you use me? To help somebody. I beseech you brethren. By the mercies. Brethren. But why do you call them brethren? Why do we call one another brethren? Because we love each other. Because we're one big family. Brothers and sisters. I like the song. In the, in the song book. It's in the very front of the book. I'm so glad. We, the verse says. Uh, you may notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family. And folks are so dear. When one shares a heartache. There's been a lot of them. At Dutch bottoms in the past few months. When one shares a heartache. We all share a tear. And rejoice in each victory of our family so dear. I'm so glad. I'm a part of the family of God. Let me just tell this. Let me relay this. And I've seen churches now and by and nag at one another. I'm glad it's a privilege to be able to call you all brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know how you feel about it. I miss John and Marie. They've not been here. They've been been sick. I miss Jack Brooks. Had sickness in the family. Like I said earlier, every family has been touched by serious sickness in the past few months. I look forward to walking through the door and seeing my brothers, seeing my sisters. So Paul said, I beseech you, 
I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, how? How are you going to present yourselves? How are you even going to be able to walk through the door? How are you going to get up in the morning and get from one place to another? How are you going to get down to the sanctuary? It's by the mercies of God. In Him we live and move and have our very being. If we draw another breath, it's through His blessings. If our heart beats another time, it's by His grace. Oh, let me just preach you what the Old Testament says. It's by His mercies that we are not consumed. We should be burdened, but we aren't today because of His mercy. I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, When I first came here, a lot of a lot of this stuff right here, Gray. But God's blessed you, ain't he? But we're still here. Our bodies may not work one hundred percent the way we'd like for them to, but we're at church. We're still blessed. We're still in our right mind. We're still able to worship the Lord. We're still able to praise Him. I believe the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. He's had mercy and given us one more day. He deserves to be worshipped and praised. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Could have been us. Some drunk. Someone running at a reckless rate of speed. Ran over us. Killed us. Somebody, no doubt, on the in a highway on the state of Tennessee somewhere, lost their life. Right here sits a young lady, a little over a year ago. She's sitting here today by the mercy of God, and just because she had an accident and God granted her the ability to recuperate. Right here sits another fellow that sits here by the mercy. You may have never had an accident in your life, but it's by His mercy that you made it. Oh, we overlook the simple things in life. It's not what, what not we've got that we ought to be thankful for, but sometimes we ought to be thankful that He had His guiding hands over us, protected us from something that would have destroyed us. Otherwise, we're here tonight by His mercy. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God.
I guess it was Becky mentioned. Young man just a few months ago. Heart attack and dead at 40 year old. The young lady had a brain aneurysm and gone. And here we are. And I could very well tell you this, and I'm sure you can reply the same. Every minute of every day, I've not done everything I could for the Lord. And still he had mercy on me. Still he allowed me to come to his house. Still he allowed me to be blessed. I felt, felt a little stirring when we sung, when he tore, tore my heart all to pieces and put a little sunshine in. Hot a little... Joy and gladness. When Jesus took, tore my heart out of pieces and put a little sunshine in. Oh, I made it this far. I'm 54. It'll be 54 in July. My dad had a massive heart attack at 42. <coughs> By the time he was my age, he had already had bypass surgery. They didn't do stents at that time. He had had balloon surgery. And here I stand. All that's not happened to me. It may, may happen tomorrow. I don't know. But I made it here tonight by his mercy. Oh, I beseech you, brethren. By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You may feel like you don't have anything to offer. You may feel like God wouldn't want somebody as little as you, as small as you, as Satan tells you, as insignificant as you are, you may feel like God would not even waste his time. Let me tell you something. He made you in his image and in his likeness. And Paul was preaching to the brethren, wouldn't he? That means you're one of God's little children. And he loves you. And he wants to bless you if you'll present yourself. I beseech you. We want to have a revival. So I want to use Paul's words. I beg you. Brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present yourselves. There's one thing to say, well, I'll just go to church. I don't feel like it, uh, but I know I'm expected, so I'll go in and I'll sit down and I'll make my presence known and then I'll go home. You can present yourself. Whenever you present yourself, you say, here I am, Lord. If there's some little something I can do to be a blessing to somebody, use me. That's presenting yourself. 
It may be to sing a song. It may be to give a testimony. It may be to say a prayer. But you never will be what God wants you to be till you present yourself. That's all he ever wanted. That's, hadn't thought of this. Remember when God went down through the garden in the cool of the day and he cried, Adam, where art thou? You know what he wanted Adam to do? Say, I'm here, Lord. Use me. What did Adam do? He did what Mike does. He went and hit himself, didn't he? He did what I'm sure maybe you've done. He went and hid himself, for he was afraid. If you, if and when we get to revival, and you get to the point to where you're ready to present yourself, Satan will give you a fit. He'll say, nobody wants to hear that. He'll say, you do enough already. He'll say, why, if you speak, you'll get tongue-tied. and You'll embarrass yourself. He'll say, why don't you just sit still and just be quiet and the service will be over and you can go home and get a good night's sleep. He'll do anything. He'll say anything to keep you from presenting yourself. Now, when you're ready, when you're willing to present yourself, there is one way to do it. I don't care what you do. I don't care what God wants you. Now, listen. I've told this before. I pastored around mountain for nine years. I had a visiting preacher come in. It was Gary Bell. He come in. He preached. It was a Sunday night. Did a good job. And when he got done, I figured he'd call for a song or turn it back over to me, but he didn't. He said, I feel like somebody's got a testimony. There's a little elderly lady sitting on the second pew on this side. She stood up. Tears started rolling down her face. And she said, I need to ask the church to forgive me. I've not done everything I could do for the Lord. And she cried, and the church went and shook her head and forgave her. And then there was another one started to talk, and another one, and another one. Gary just asked, there was somebody else. The spirit just kept building and building and building. Then there was a lady on this side of the church. It was this, this elderly lady's daughter. She said, I've got to make things right too. She said, I don't want to see my children die and go to hell. She said, I've got to ask you to forgive me too. Tears rolling down her face and the church forgave her. And they kept talking and the spirit kept building and somebody got a song and sung and the power of God just kept falling. And our I stood over against that wall cold as a frog. Couldn't say my own name. I thought, God, I'm the pastor. What am I going to do? He didn't give anything to say, John. He didn't give anything to preach. He didn't give me a song. He didn't give me a testimony. 
He said, you see that little old boy sitting over there on the second pew? Go ask him if he wants to be saved. And I looked over there, and that little old boy wasn't paying a lick of attention for nothing. He had his head down, was looking at something. <coughs> and I thought, God, are you sure? Somebody else talked, another saw, but he just kept tugging. Just kept bothering me. While he was singing, I eased over there. I sat down beside of him and I said, Son, would you like to be saved? He stepped on my feet and ran over me to get to the altar. As soon as I asked him, his big tears started rolling down his face and he couldn't wait to get to the altar. It's not the big things that you always have to present yourself for. It's the little things. And if you'll present yourself over the little things, God will make them great biggest. You know who that boy was? That was the grandson of the elderly lady and the son of the daughter that got saved. He might not have ever got saved had this lady and that lady not presented themselves. Only one way to do it. You pray on, I won't be much longer. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? Before Christ was crucified on Calvary, men would have to take the very best that they had. If they had sheep, they were supposed to pick the best one they had and bring it into the temple. And the priest would take it and he would, he would put it over water and boil it and then they would take the flesh hook and take out the part that belonged to them and the rest of it was to be offered for the sacrifice. And if they had turtle doves, they gave turtle doves. If they had rabbits, I guess they gave rabbits. Whatever they had, the best was what they were supposed to give. What do you think we're supposed to give? We're supposed to give our best. Oh, I'm so tired. Well, you need to rest a little more before you come to the house of God because God's got a plan and you're going to need to present yourself. That's not popular. You know how we are, fellas. We work our fingers to the bone. Then we can't hold our head up. What are you here for? Are you not here to worship the Lord? That's the strangest way of putting it, I guess, I've ever put it. You need to make a plan that you're going to present yourself. You don't have to. I sat right here on that bench. Put my arm around that little boy and I said, son... Would you like to be saved? Nobody else in the church heard a word I said. And they didn't need to. I just needed to present myself. I wouldn't present myself to the church. I wouldn't present myself to the deacons. I wouldn't present myself to the folks on the back pew or on the front pew. I had to present myself before the Lord. Amen. And the Lord and that little boy was the only two that knew what I said. But if I said just exactly, now listen, I don't believe in tugging and pulling. But I said just what the Lord wanted me to, that's all. I didn't say anything else. And if you'll do what, if you'll present yourself the way the Lord wants you to, it'll have an effect that'll be good. I'm not saying they'll get saved every time. 
But you remember the parable of the seed sower. I'm going to pick on you, Jim. You remember the parable of the seed sower. Some of the seed fell on stony ground, didn't it? And then it went on down. Some fell among thorns. Some fell on good ground and brought forth new life. It didn't say we're supposed to give up on the stony ground. It didn't say we're supposed to give up on the ground that had thorns on it. But if you clean that ground off and you go through and take a plow and you get them stones out of it, you know what stony ground eventually becomes? Good ground. Mm -hmm. And then you can grow something in it. Oh, present yourselves a living sacrifice. What's that? They were first called Christians at Antioch, right? John was singing out of the green book tonight, and I flipped over to page 46. And if I'd have asked him to sing it, I'm sure he would have. And if you know what 46 is, you've been around for a while. But we'll sing it. We'll ring the rafters with it, won't we? In this world I've tried most everything, and I'm happy now to say there's nothing like religion in the good old-fashioned way. Walking in the old-time way, I want the world to know that I'd rather be an old-time Christian. We'll sing it, won't we? But you can't be called it if you're not liking it. That's what Christian means, don't it? It means to be Christ-like. It means to be Christ-like. Well, let's take a look at what it means to be Christ-like. What did Christ do? Christ came to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I believe if we read the scripture, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was beat, he was bruised, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised by our iniquities, and, and by his stripes we are healed. We read where that he walked up Calvary's hill. We read where he laid down and they nailed his feet and his hands to the cross. We read where it was hung between the heaven and the earth, and they all offered him vinegar to drink. They pierced him in the side. He said it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He was crucified. He became a sacrifice for you and for me. It was by his blood that our sins are washed away. I don't have to go to Calvary. I don't have to be hung on a cross. But I can sacrifice everything. I, he gave every drop of blood so that you and I could be redeemed. He, he walked every mile. We used to sing a song when I was at Rankin with the girls. He walked every mile just for me. He gave it all. So if He gave it all so that you and I could be redeemed, surely we can give Him all that we are. That's what a living sacrifice is. There's no need for your blood to be shed. He already shed his. We just need to show the world. We just need to show the world his blood. I've read stories about these men that get out and they'll kill many people and their family will actually change their name so that people won't know they're related to that person. They won't judge them. They won't be prejudiced against them because one of the family has done 
evil deeds. But folks, I know the Romans didn't think much of him. I know the high priest Capius, the folks in the religious crowd said we've done it. We've got him. He'll not cause us any more trouble anymore. But when it comes right down to telling the world who we are, we shouldn't have to sing it. They ought to already know it. I've preached this, and maybe I preached it Sunday. There are certain characteristics. If you know my father, his hire, great early. Well, here I am. It ain't as early as it used to be. We usually have a little excess weight. He did, I do. His gait, I've even been told that I walk like him. You name it. When I present myself, I hope you can see how I'm related to. When I present myself, I hope you can see all the love that God will give me. When I present myself, I shouldn't have to say I'm a Christian. You ought to already know what that boy, the way he acts, the way he talks, the way he walks, the way he does things in this world, surely he must be a Christian. Just look how he presents himself. Present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, now preacher, I can't help what I do. Yes, you can. Don't lie to yourself. John 14, 1, the first word says, let, amen, let not your heart be troubled. Satan can only do what we let him do. The preacher, I just can't live. Yes, you can. Did Jesus not say, be ye holy for I am holy? If he told us to be, surely we can. I know we've got flesh to deal with. I do, you do. We'll never be perfect in this life. That's why the book says strive for perfection. It never did say this flesh will reach it because the Bible actually says that this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But our soul, that man that lives within me and you, that's sealed until the day of redemption. And it's just as perfect as the day he saved us. Holy. Holy. I cannot be mean as the devil. I can't cuss. Now listen. I can't cuss and mistreat my neighbor, backstab folks at work. We've lived to the day where people think the only two sins are ours, adultery and drunkenness. You better read your book. There's a lot more than that. There's people in hell. They did a lot less than that. Be ye holy. You all know, and, and I, things can be used for good. But I can't put the nastiest, vulgarest things that I can find and get a giggle out of 
on Facebook and then come to church and pretend to be holy. I better be on my job at my home what I am on the altar. I'm going to go a little farther. Be ye holy. It's in the way you talk. It's in the way you walk. It's in the way you act. It's in the way you dress. Be ye holy. Present your, I beseech you, brethren. I'm begging you. Brethren, my family, by the mercies of God, it's in him that we live and move and have our very being, that ye present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, now listen, <laughs> let's cover that living part, can we? Will you bear with me for just a minute? I work that you were hot or cold. For if you were lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And I believe there's another scripture that talks about being twice dead and plucked up by the roots. A living sacrifice. Blessed is he that taketh part in the first resurrection over which the second death Hath no power. What is that? That's salvation. I'm not sentenced to die anymore. I'm just going to lay this flesh down and live for eternity. I'm living. We ought to show some signs of life every once in a while. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Who, unto who? Unto God. Been a few of you at my home. Lisa's been over there. Becky's been over there. Debbie. I believe Bobby's been over there. My wife is OCD when it comes to cleaning. She can't leave, not just leave the bed unmade, she can't leave a wrinkle in it before she leaves the house. But if you came to my house, I don't care what we prepared for you. When we set the plate down under your nose and you saw dried food around the edges of the plate, you'd have second thoughts about what was laying on top of it, wouldn't you? What do you think God thinks when we present him with a dirty vessel? What do you think God thinks when we've lived every way under the sun and then come to church and try to present ourselves to him. Well, let's just look at one instance, okay? And I know this is not popular. The world says we're supposed to be just accepting. And I agree. We're supposed to love everybody. But if I'm guilty of lust, that's a sin. If I'm guilty of, of greed, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. If I'm guilty of that, that's a sin. If I'm guilty of being a drunk, that's a sin. 
And the Bible says that homosexuality is a stink in God's nostrils. That's a sin. That don't mean we're not supposed to love those people. That don't mean that they don't have a place in our church. But we need to love them. We need to let them hear the gospel. And whenever the power and the spirit of God is around, it'll show them whether it's a drunkard, whether it's someone who's lusted, or someone that's guilty of greed, whether it's somebody that's a homosexual, God's love will cover a multitude of sin. All right. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It don't matter what I think. You can shake my hand all you want to and die and go to hell. Well, I'll donate my money to T.D. Jakes. And I've heard T.D. Jakes do some good preaching. I'll give my money to Joel Osteen. Or whoever you want to name, and without Jesus, you'll die and go to hell. A living sacrifice. It does not matter which man on earth condones your way of living. It does not matter. And I'm afraid we've lived to a day that we've got to a point where just come on to our church. Put some money in the plate, smile, raise your hand, and we'll take you right in and everything will be all right. You can shake my hand, I can hug your neck, I can have my picture made with you, I can smile at you every Sunday morning, and you'll still die lost and undone without God if you don't ask Jesus to save your soul. Amen. They've left out the most important part, and that's salvation. All right, I'm trying to hurry. I'm sorry. Doing the very best I can do. But if God gives it to me, I've got to preach it. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. You better be worried about whether or not. I used to sing a song, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. We live today, and I've, I see it more and more. I've taught school for 31 years. I see it in this younger generation more and more every year. We don't care what nobody thinks. You better care what God thinks. Because all I can do is make you mad for a day or two, but God can cast you into hell. Oh. Went to God. Now, do you want a revival? <laughs> That's what it's going to take. Let's go to verse 2. Then I'll skip back to the end of verse 1. It won't take near as long there. Let's read it. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's time that the church quit trying to look like the world. Amen. It's time that we prove what is perfect and right and the will of the Lord because how are these little girls going to know 
what the power of God looks like if we don't present ourselves. How are Elijah and Laney, Ethan? Bless their heart, I love Marty and Juanita. I love John. And I love Peggy. I love the Reeds. But our older generation is not going to always be around. Bobby, I'm afraid our generation and the generation after us has dropped the ball. We've let down our guard. We've let the world slip in and the power of God slip out. And our children are dying lost and undone without God. It's time that we present ourselves. Be ye not conformed. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. We're not supposed to act like the world. We're not supposed to dress like the world. We're supposed to be transformed, changed. Something's supposed to happen down on the inside. Paul said, this man that spoke these wonderful worlds, words, he said this, the things I once loved, I loved, I could just hear him say, I used to love torturing Christians. I used to, I stood with a big grin on my face and my arms folded and I considered unto the death of that man Stephen that preached about the prophets of Jesus and I got a thrill out of it because he died right there, stoned to death. I used to love things like that. But since I met Jesus, what regret I have. I wish I'd have met him earlier. I wish I'd have done more for him. I hate the things that I did. Oh, and the things that I hated. Them old church-going people always talking about Jesus. Used to, I couldn't stand them. But now I love them. I can't get enough of them. They mean the world to me. We're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be transformed, changed. Let me give you some more adjectives. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. That means you're not like everybody else around you. They're just something different. We're supposed to be a royal priesthood you've seen the news I know you have I can't remember his name Harry and his wife Megan and they've abdicated their royal titles moved to Canada talked like they perhaps could move back to England it don't matter Every time you see them on the TV, the first thought in your mind is, that's part of the royal family. You just can't get it out of your mind. Because that's who they are. They're not like me and you. They don't put their breeches on and go to work like me and you. They don't eat the things that we eat. They don't dress the way that we do. <coughs> They're just a little different, ain't they? We're part of a royal priesthood. Let me give you one more. One more answer. 
We're part of a chosen generation. Jesus looked down at this boy right here lost and undone. Before you was ever born, He said, I'll die for that sinner. He chose to bring salvation your way. We're different. Now it's available to everybody, but only those that have accepted it are different, are changed, are transformed. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I want to have revival. Do you? Preacher, I work 12 hours a day. Preacher, I'm so tired. Preacher, by that time my grass will be growing. Preacher, I've got a million things to do. Preacher, I sneeze once today and I just can't make it. Which is your preacher? I may have the coronavirus. I hope you don't. You take that oath thermometer, and if it checks out good, you come on. I'm not asking you to do anything you can't do. Paul was not asking his brethren to do anything they couldn't do. Which is your reasonable service? You can do it. You're peculiar. You're royal. You're chosen. You're God's little child. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember Daniel. Why were they selected? Because they had the ability, not just them, but all the ones that were chosen and taken down to Babylon. They were selected because they had the ability in them to stand before the king. You're special in the best way because you're a child of the king. Dust yourself off, clean yourself up, and come in here saying, Lord, here I am. I'm the littlest thing you ever said, but if you could use me to help somebody, just give me just a little word. Just give me just a kind deed. If it's just to shake their hand, if it's just to hug their neck, cause God, you know how down they be and they need help. God, help me to bless your children. And if you present yourself holy and acceptable, God will use you to help us see somebody saved. I could ask every soul in this church house tonight. I could go down the membership roll. I could get that from Debbie. I could go to their house. I could give them a call. There's not a member here. I don't care if they've not been here in 30 years that wouldn't say they'd love to hear about a revival at Dutch Bottoms. They'd love to see a revival at Dutch Bottoms. And you'd say that too, wouldn't you? What are we willing to do to have one? Are you willing to present yourself? Are you willing to get up, to get a hold of God, to present Him with a vessel He can use and say, Lord, here I am. And if it's just the smallest thing. I stood against the wall over at Round Mountain that night and thought, God, I'm the pastor. 
Surely you've got something another I can say that'll bless the church or a song I can sing, but that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted me to present myself in such a way that that little boy could receive salvation. That's all he wanted. And you don't have to present yourself right here. Somewhere tomorrow, the Lord will give you the opportunity to present yourself. Because somebody needs to know about the Lord. Somebody needs a blessing. Present yourselves holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why are you afraid of it? Well, somebody might have a point. Does it matter what they say? Don't you want to hear you've been faithful over a few things? Well done, enter in. Does that not matter? Don't you want to hear those words? Present yourselves. Holy and acceptable unto God. Why, why are you afraid of it? Now I'm preaching to brethren tonight and sisters. I'm going to do this, John. It may not go over too well. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when the Lord spoke peace to your soul? Do you remember how good that felt? Do you remember getting, getting up and saying, Jesus saved me? Do you remember that day Jesus saved your soul? You know how you got that. You presented yourself. You said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you save me? And he did. And it felt good. It feels good when the Lord accepts your sacrifice and you present yourself. If you did it already, why are you afraid to say, here I am, Lord, one more time? I used to be the world's worst, and still am sometimes. Grew up in Rankin, power of God to be moving, and the Lord would speak to me and he'd say, sing this song. Or he'd say, talk. And I was the biggest doubter you've ever seen. I'd say, Lord, if that's you. <laughs> if that's you, Lord, have so-and-so do such-and-such. And he'd give me exactly what I'd ask for. And I'd say, well, now, Lord, that could have just been happenstance. If that's really you, have somebody do And then they'd do that. Let me tell you how to tell the difference. It took me a while to learn how to discern it. If it's something to uplift the name of the Lord and there's a fear on you, it's of God. If it's something that you just want to do so that people can say you did this or that, that's not God. If it's something that you want to make your light shine and let make somebody else's dim, that's not God. But if when you're really presenting yourself holy and acceptable unto God, when you do what He says with all the fear in your heart, You'll be blessed, and everybody around you will. Holy and acceptable unto God. You've already presented yourself when you ask the Lord to save you. So if you've already done it, it's something, you can, it's something that you can do, right? It's very reasonable. All right. Present yourselves. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service.